Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Big Interview Q&A show for March. I'm Martin Gregg and with me today are Graham Hunter, host of The Big Interview, and our guest for these shows, La Liga TV's Pete Jensen. We have questions, as always, from our socios who support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and from our sponsors at Bet365. Part one of this month's show will, will be unashamedly Barca heavy, but before that we'd just like to welcome some new socios. Stand up and take a bow, Walter Gay, Brian Whitney, Matthew Salter, Staffan Kempstead. This show goes out to the four of you. Thanks for joining. And we're going to start with a question from a socio that we've not heard from, certainly in recent times. It's Will Valdez. Will says, Hola Graham and Pete. Should Barcelona accept the CVC deal along with others, including the already massive loans from Goldman Sachs, in their pursuit of Erling Holland? And how will that influence the perception of Laporta in the eyes of the club's fans? And to what degree should he be held accountable for risking taking the decision-making process away from the socios and for his mishandling of Messi's departure? The explanation of how the club comes first, and it could not be mortgaged for one player, seems to be absolute bullocks given the lengths he's prepared to go to sign the Norwegian. So just before you answer that, boys, here's one from Socio Ian Body, who says, Everyone is talking about Xavi, but just how much is the Barca revival down to Laporta and the choices he has made? So lots and lots of questions and follow-up questions there. Um, but the overarching one is the stewardship of the club by Laporta, revival on the pitch, but is there any discernible strategy for good or ill in terms of the club's financial situation and transfer policies? Martin, you, you've taken Will's words and brought them to life, and I, I'd like to do something similar in a sort of uh, catalytic way. I, I'll talk about stewardship. Pete can talk about the intricate details of the CBC funding and the likely repayment schedule. Uh, is that is that fair, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> that was <fun>. Well, we, <laughs> we have to. <laughs> Will we have to start on a good foot? And uh, I've had a particularly bleak weekend, so I thought a, a little joke. Uh, might come in and before we get to the question I just you know somebody who would have been listening normally isn't with us anymore and although this is dedicated to new socios and socios who sent the questions in I just want to mention our dear friend Ian McGarry who's no longer with us and and just say that out loud because it'll help me and these these are two 
we've we've heard from Will before, definitely. But as you say, it's been a time. But it's it, it's typical of of Will and Ian that the questions are so intricate and well constructed, and and show such a knowledge of of FC Barcelona. And and P, I I think although um, on this forum I've had my pants taken down a little bit recently with uh, predictions and analysis. I feel like you and I might have slightly similar views about um, the, the way to approach this answer is that Laporta L- L- doesn't get defined in a single phrase or in a black or white analysis, I don't think. And if we're going to treat the CBC money and Erling Haaland and mortgage in the club and Ian's centre point was about how much of the credit goes to Laporta, once we get diving into these different strands... Don't you feel from your knowledge of him, Pete, that Laporta is, it's impossible to say, you know, good, bad um, in terms of performance or whether you like and admire him because he is such a will-of-the-wisp person. And and I would admit that when when he began to run for this presidency again, Laporta 2, as it's often called over here, I was deeply concerned, and I think some of those concerns have been proven true, about the lack of people that made him great the first time, because he's a facilitator, he's a, he's, he's a, he's a Pied Piper character. And, and therefore, before we get into the, the meat, I, I think to understand the answers properly, are the things I'm saying about Laporta ringing true to you too? Yeah, I think um, one of the reasons why the, the Guardiola era was so successful was they had the best player in their history. They had the best group of young players in their history. They had the best coach in their history. But quite possibly, they also had the best president in their history. At least at that moment in time, he was the perfect man. And when he came back and, and, and kind of stuck his chest out again and um, put that big banner up uh, on the doorstep of the Santiago Bernabeu, you know, what, was, what did it say? Um, looking forward to seeing you again. Here's Giovanni. Yeah, some of a sense that... Um, you really want to go down this road, you know, you're, you're 15 years older or whatever it is, um, can it really be the same again? Well, the answer is, of course, the first Classico that we all enjoyed just before the international break. That's what he meant by looking forward to seeing you again. Um, he's a gambler. He's taken gambles um, since he's come back. I thought Alves was, was a gamble. I thought the club could have ended up looking ridiculous. I, I, and I thought the, the fanfare that greeted the return of Alves, because you have to remember that Danny Alves was the first signing in the Pep Guardiola era, to then make him the first signing in, in the Xavi era, you, it could easily have been something looked upon as a little bit pathetic and, and, and a sign of the, the, the great demise of the club. Now, I'm not saying Alves has been the reason why things have gone so well, far from it, but he's done OK and it hasn't been ridiculous, that particular acquisition. Um, regards the, the, the loans, I, I struggle to keep track. I mean, I think it's... 1.5 billion, isn't it, from Goldman Sachs, which will go towards Espai Barca. And then there's a further 500 um, million. So you're talking about 2 billion in, in, in loans. The CVC money, I think, comes to 595 million. Um, and what Barca don't like about the CVC deal is that um, they would be under obligation to spend a large chunk of it not on the squad. So I think it's 75% that you have to spend on other things. Um, and, um, you know, they, they, they want different rules. Um, and what La Liga Impulso, which I understand is, is the kind of company set up by La Liga, 
what they've said is you can't have different rules. It's got to be the same for everybody. If if all the clubs have the same uh, restrictions on, on what percentage they can spend on players, it has to be the same for you. I think in the end they won't get Haaland. Um, but um, Laporta is such a box of tricks that, that, that anything is possible. And, and we, we saw it in these first summer in charge with the Beckham and, and, and Ronaldinho situation. Um, so it can't be ruled out. But I just sense that um, for exactly the, the reasons really that Will's given, he can't have got rid of Messi, which, by the way, at the moment looks to have been the right thing to do. He can't have done that. And then go down a similar road with, with Haaland. And I'm also not sure... I mean, Haaland is a fantastic player, and, and, and uh, to state the obvious, and Graham has seen a lot more of him than, than, than me. And he's also so young, so of course it would be a brilliant signing. Um, but they're doing pretty well without him. Um, and maybe to bring in someone who it suddenly becomes all about, when at the moment it's all about the team and it's all about Xavi... You know, I'm I'm not sure they'd lose that much by by missing out on him, and I think they're leaning towards bringing in players who are on freeze, who are who, or, or who are on the cheap, um, and um, just going another couple of markets, being careful until they get themselves on the right footing. Um, well aware that um, they have this huge um, project coming up, which is which obviously to to rebuild the crumbling camp now. Yeah, I, I, I pick up on a phrase used there that, that definitely applies to my understanding of CBC. We, P- Pete and I, uh, well, Ian, Martin, we, we worked in this country for a long time when Madrid and Barcelona negotiated separately, um, had the lion's share of the money because they were the most powerful, and they manoeuvred themselves into a situation whereby there was a golden time when um, Madrid party, through spending in a galactical mode, because there's no question that for a period of time that worked very well until until the well ran dry, until there weren't the right galactical players to sign in. And they, they had to work really hard to keep up with Barcelona, where the golden time was even clearer because they were financially robust under the new board, which earned a lot of money very quickly. And this is a new board that began with Ferran Soriano and Mark Ingla and the various other different people that were there. And... While they paid a lot of salary um, outlay, the fact that Peter pointed out that there was this massive armada of talent coming upwards from the academy helped them a great deal. But during that time, um, the other clubs suffered financially when the world wasn't as tight for cash as it is now, when there had been no pandemic, when salaries hadn't escalated quite so dramatically, when the camp now didn't need rebuilding, um, in Barcelona's case. And and recently, although it's been incremental rather than, you know, a Merlin flash of a wand, recently one of the things that, that Tebas, you know, an equally uh, quixotic creature and, and as equally hard to define and pin down accurately um, as Laporta, one of the things that's happened is that the, the share of what the clubs earn centrally is much more even. And that's been, in my mind, slightly to the detriment of the two big clubs. Well, you signed up for it, grow up. And it's part of the reason that um, it's been easy to divide Real Madrid in particular from La Liga. It's it's a part of the reason that there's, you know, kind of open warfare between Florentino Perez and Javier Tebas. The, the head of La Liga but it has, it has helped it hasn't made the other Spanish clubs powerhouses but I'd wager that it's kept them, some of them alive it's certainly kept some of them competitive 
over the last two or three really brutal years. And that's where CBC comes in. I think that their bus owner's right, and, and that's what you know Will's asked about, not Madrid. Bus owner's right to negotiate with La Liga and CBC about the terms is absolute. They're right to reject it if they genuinely feel that it's um, going to hamstring them for years to come. Again, that's, that's extant. That's a completely legitimate right of a self-governing club. The points about whether it should go to the electorate, I think, number one, is a, is a really, really good idea. And I, I would imagine that the way in which the, the, the voting public at Barcelona have understood it so far is is quite limited because um, the need for Barcelona to align themselves with Real Madrid over the European Super League and the need to, to be called to heel, um, to Florentino Perez's heel, um, over the European Super League, which Laporta spoke about only the other day to say, no, it's far from dead, we're still in it. He's playing two hands, which is typical of, of Laporta. Well, he's he has negotiated with La Liga and CVC to see what terms they can get. And publicly, he's still saying, you know, the European Super League is, is, is our way out of this mess. Or, or maybe a revamped Champions League. Again, leaving a door ajar. The summer is going to be a bigger operation still than the winter was for Football Club Barcelona. And again, I emphasise that Will asked about Barcelona not remedied. The ideas about, you know, when Aubameyang's pay packet shoots up again, whether they keep Adam or they don't, whether they can get Haaland or can't, how they replace, uh, either replace or um, augment the goalkeeping position, whether they can keep Araujo and Gavi and, and give them the wages they're demanding. All these things require um, income, they require La Liga's blessing, a little bit of give and take, although it's a very mathematical system about financial fair play, there is no question in my mind at all that the Liga will be more beneficent towards clubs that have signed up to CVC. So overall, Will, I, I, I think that Barcelona will do themselves and La Liga a hell of a lot of good by taking the best version of the CVC deal that they can get. Laporta's dramatic error in not appointing Xavi and saying publicly that he thought he was too inexperienced has suddenly been compensated by the way in which he's recruited Jordi Cruyff, he's recruited Matthew Aleman, He's managed to, you know, pay, borrow from Peter to pay Paul such that there's been money to do these extraordinary deals, which he hasn't had to be the author of. But again, without Laporta, that catalytic effect of people coming alive, new talent being brought in, wouldn't, would not have, have happened. And, you know, had it, had it been a Bartomeu figure, um, I, I'm unclear whether Xavi would have returned. Um, so he's returned knowing Laporta warts and all. So I think the balance of, of credit, without question, because it's the implementation that counts, Ian, in my opinion, goes to Xavi. But I've had to, I've had to, not for the first time, increase my grudging respect for Laporta because from a bad position, some of which he created himself since taking over, he's rallied and done some exceptional things that has kept the club, in a football sense, alive. Okay, let's just finish the first half with a kind of related question um, from Andy Cochran, socio Andy Cochran, who says, 
How do you feel Barca will fare next season? They're doing well at the moment, but the financial restrictions they face next season look like they mean the club will need to take further difficult decisions about player personnel. How far will this affect their progress in 22-23? So I think you've kind of, you've both touched on the sort of bigger financial picture here. Um, but Graeme, you touched on the, the player turnover there as well, and maybe we should just shine a light on that aspect of it um, going forward. Do we expect there to be a lot of comings and goings in the summer. I saw something and I think an ask this morning of seven or eight names uh, about players that could potentially be leaving in the summer. What are your thoughts on player turnover at Barcelona over the summer? That, that question has to be factored in via what Andy's asked because the, the financial constraints on what they're allowed to do with their wage bill um, have currently got tighter um, and therefore they need to even up the books by by getting really significant players out. So what we all know is that Griezmann is only out temporarily, Coutinho is only out temporarily, and therefore, were there to be a sudden cold snap, and neither of those players, or, or Pjanic, or, and there's a list of other others that need to be moved out. If there was a cold snap and those weren't to happen, then literally the situation for Barcelona is, is literally disastrous. And they'd have to make do with, um, you know, an attack with Griezmann back in it and a midfield with Coutinho back in it. But I think that's unlikely to happen. I think that so long as Atleti qualify for the Champions League, they take Griezmann. And I think so long as nothing disastrous happens to, happen, happens to Aston Villa, I think that they happily take Coutinho. And it was interesting after the um, Barca Legends, Liverpool Legends match at Anfield to see Steven Gerrard absolutely lauding Chabi, which I believe he meant. Um, and it was with Barcelona's club TV, so he was being you know, quite appropriate too. But it, it wasn't a bad way to help convince Barcelona to be friendly to them in the uh, to, to Villa, where Gerard, although he's playing in Liverpool colours, he's the Villa coach. <laughs> it was a smart way to try and haggle. And then they have to move um, players from the squad out, and they need to change. And I think that's why um, Andy's point is good. They need to significantly improve their financial balance vis-a-vis Spanish La Liga fair play in order to do what they want to do. And he's right to say that at the moment, if the recruitment exercise was going on right now, they wouldn't be able to do significant things that they need to do. It's been very interesting that although at no stage has uh, Willow the Wisp Laporta said, uh, we're not going for Haaland, he's begun to say, as as have some of his lieutenants, Ah, extremely difficult, you know, unlikely to happen. Back to one of the earlier, I think it was Will who used the phrase, won't mortgage the club. Part of it is the very, very delicate process of of trying to persuade players to leave, players that are in the current squad right now. The squad is far too vast. <clears throat> it's it, And it's it's absolutely vital that three or four players who are in the current squad um, leave, that that changes the FFP situation. The Coutinho and Griezmann Pjanic find permanent homes. And then you've got all the negotiation to be done, which I'm convinced will include Christensen at centre-back and Ajax, uh, Amraoui, right back. And there's the tactical side of what needs to be changed. Yeah, I mean, as most of your Sothias will be will be aware of it, they're, they're 144 million over the permitted squad spend. So they, they're now tied to this one four ratio thing. If they want to spend uh, a million, they've got to make four million. As Graham says, Griezmann and Coutinho out on loan will probably go in the summer. 
Um, and there is a there's a kind of there's a bit of small print on the La Liga's extremely complicated financial fair play that if the player that goes out is uh, is actually responsible for five percent of your budget, then it, it's not the one four, it's the one two. So that would help them as well if if Griezmann and Coutinho somehow fit in, into that. Um, I think the money will will primarily primarily should be spent on making sure everyone stays as well. And by everyone stays, I don't mean all those players that Graham's just named that need to need to leave. I'm I'm on about Araujo and Gavi because I think part of the magic around what Xavi's building is that all these players are coming through together. And I think to to not keep the Araujo, Eric, Gavi, Nico, Pedri, Ansu group, De Jong and Abdi as well. We shouldn't forget about him, even though he's slipped off the off the radar a little bit. To keep that together would be would be huge going into the next few seasons. Uh, I think the biggest challenge will be what they do up front, as Graham says. They're well on the way to sorting things out defensively, um, and in midfield, there's not too much that needs to be done. Kessie's going to come in. But if Dembele goes, and I think the club seem to believe that he's 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 got to deal with with PSG, um, and Adama will probably go back to Wolves. So you're then two wingers down, and we know that so much of what Xavi wants to do depends on on having a, a good uh, squad of, of wingers. It, it seems I think I sense that Rafinha um, is going to arrive from Leeds. Um, I think the fact that Deco's his agent is a massive. Um, indication that, that, that that's something that they're going to get over the line. It's going to be a lot more difficult if Leeds don't go down and it looks as if Leeds won't go down because he'll be far more expensive. But I think that's one that they'll try and make work. Um, and what else they do if they end up not signing Aubameyang, um, that's going to be the biggest task of the summer. It's not Aubameyang, um, Haaland. But as, as Graham says... It wouldn't be. Uh, it wouldn't surprise us one hundred percent if Laporta isn't setting himself up to be an even bigger hero than than, uh, than, it, than, it, than he already is by by telling us that Haaland is impossible. I just think the city. It's all about City. I mean, I I've never really bought into the idea that Madrid want to do it this summer. It just doesn't make sense to me. Vinicius, Mbappe, and Benzema is quite enough for them going into next season. So if if it's if he's going to move this summer, then it's City or or Barca. And if somehow City don't make it work, then can't 100% rule Barca out and if they don't get in then that becomes the biggest job what do you do instead of bringing in Haaland OK it's time for a break we'll be back in a moment with a couple more questions to complete part one of this month's Q&A A lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
And we're back with a question from our sponsors at Bet365. How have Barcelona got the best out of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? So just a little bit of info, seven goals in seven games in La Liga, including two in the most recent Clasico, another couple in the Champions League. So a very impressive return since he joined uh, late January. Pete, I want to come to you in this one. You wrote a really interesting piece in the Daily Mail, and the first line of which was, few players have ever gone from being the biggest problem at one club to the most effective solution at another in such a short space of time. But it was a really interesting piece on a number of levels because the the football aspect of it, you talked about this chemistry he has with uh, Dembele, you know, his old Dortmund teammate, and the fact that he's predominantly played has been played as a number nine. So can you maybe reflect on, on how Xavi has managed to extract the full talent from this guy? Yeah, he's definitely on the same wavelength as Dembele, right down to the... Um Oh, are we training at eleven today. I thought it was. I thought it was eleven thirty. Um, there's that great the story from Van um, Tuchel t- uh, saying, "I had no problem at all with um, um, Obama Yang. It was just that sometimes we had to tell him that training was ten thirty when it was eleven, just so that he'd turn up on time." I think they're similar characters, Obama Yang and Dembélé, and in many ways that underlines why it was why he wasn't the, the right man to, 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 be, to be picked as captain at Arsenal. And I think free from that responsibility, uh, he's enjoying himself far more. As you say, he's playing through the middle. Uh, there have been a couple of games when him and Ferran Torres have sort of um, swapped positions mid-match, mid-half, you know, uh, with Ferran starting out on the left and Aubameyang through the middle and, and, um, and, and vice versa. But there's no doubt that he's better through the middle. Scoring record, by the way, at the Bernabeu is just off the scale, and um, we shouldn't have been surprised by, by the fact that he contributed last weekend, or was it the weekend before? Anyway, the last game, playing him through the middle, less responsibility. He's happy to see his old pal Dembele again, and just being accepted for what he is without um, without being asked to lead. I think all those things have contributed. The test, obviously, is always how long you can make it last, and will there be the same sort of um, uh, commitment um, going into next season. Um, Chavi will already have sensed whether that is going to be the case. And if it isn't, they need to address that, obviously, this summer. But um, I think they're confident that, that, that it can be the case. And certainly in terms of fitness, and we've talked before about the fact that they deliberately went to the Premier League because you're getting players who, even if they haven't been playing, are physically at a good level um, and can hit the ground running, which is exactly what he's done. If, if I can um, pick up there, one of the things that... I need to own up in, in the spirit of good team players that as the Aubameyang deal was being, you know, edged through towards the end of the market, um, I texted Pete and said, well, I, don't, I don't think he's the kind of character the squad needs. This, this young, um, to an increasing degree, homebred, um, obedient, converted, evangelistic squad and that wasn't to say then, and certainly not now, that Aubameyang is, is, is an outright bad boy. That's just not right. But he's got this Peter Pan approach to life. I'm, I'm, I'm rich, um, I'm athletic, I'm talented, and I can do what I like with my spare time. It isn't his flamboyance, and he is very flamboyant, but it is the idea that private time is for private jets and I can go where I want and as long as, as long as I'm in around 10.30, look, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Big Pierre. 
know. I, I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, so, I'm sorry I'm late. I left my house late. I'll, that I'll, score, I'll score you a couple of goals. It's a very <clears throat> Robin Williams approach to, look about, I'll make you laugh. John Belushi sometimes even. And the fact is, and I, I think this is the crucial uh, factor in, in the answer, is that, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm helped by the fact that when I went out to the training ground last to do a UEFA interview with Nico and then a UEFA interview with Arujo, um, one of the one of the PR men there sat down in the gap between the interviews and said, "Chavi is absolutely bowled over with Aubameyang. He can't believe his attitude, his behaviour, how fit he kept himself, the degree he bent over backwards to get the move, but how he's behaved, his comportment, and and that's where you know. Although in what I said to texted to Pete about like I, I don't think he's the right guy, he's currently wrong, and I." I think that there'll need to be a, a, a movement on, on Xavi's behalf in the in the season to come because, as I understand that contract, he's he's automatically contracted for another year, during which time his wages go back up again to Arsenal level, and then it's a, it's a mutually agreed based on some conditions whether he gets a you know the, the second full season, this being a half season, next season being his first full season. So if he's if he's to stay in on current form. Because he, he looks and behaves like a 27-year-old, 28-year-old. The, the factor is, when he begins to behave like an 18-year-old again, and, you know, Eto has done that at that club, and Ronaldinho has done that at that club, and Messi didn't quite behave like a, an 18-year-old, but he did sometimes behave like a martinet. And one of the things that Arteta didn't have yet in his coaching manual, albeit he's only two years younger than Xavi, it's about personality, not experience, is he didn't have room to say, yeah, that's fine, you know, I can I can make room for the, the odd, fantastic player. Every great manager, occasionally your squad rules have to bend for the truly great players. So, Aubameyang might not be rated um, that way by Arsenal fans, but right now that's 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 his batting average for Barcelona. And in in my opinion, were he to be able to maintain this level of discipline and attitude and athleticism, then it's the most extraordinary signing. And I think that you know the if you read the tea leaves, that, that possibly won't be the case. After which it's down to how is Chami's man management individually with him, which for all of us, socios included, so long as that's what's happening over the next year, irrespective of Haaland or Mbappe or who's winning the title, that's a really good human story to be watching. Next up is socio Daniel Hanna. Daniel says, Hi guys, does Ricky Puch have a future at Barcelona? Despite being a fan's favourite and a Chavi style player, Pedri and Gavi are so clearly the future of the club, not to mention De Jong, who I think could reach serious heights under the new boss. Has his progression stalled? Is he good enough? So obviously... He's slipped down the pecking order under Xavi. I think his contract's up in 2023. So where where is he at just now? And will he still be there next season, I guess, is the, is the questions. He's a long way away from the first team, I think. Um, and I'm not sure he was ever good enough. I think he, he was built up um, at a time when Barca fans were pretty sad about the fact that there didn't seem to be anyone coming through um, and um, you know they were building their hopes on, on this very tidy but um, limited player who we shouldn't forget had never never played for Spain's under-19s never played for Spain's under-20s um, he got three games for Spain's under-21s now 
you know, there, there's a reason. There's a reason for that. Um, he did okay uh, in a brief uh, period when he was being picked by Kiki Setien. Um, but for every good game, there would then be. I, I remember a cup game away to. I think it was Ibiza. It might even have been Formentera. It was one of the islands when he gave the ball around the edge of the area and, and, and Barca conceded immediately after having played well for half an hour in the previous game. He, he's looked good at times coming on um, when Barca need a different gear, but he, he's not going to be good enough. And, and um, I hope he, he makes a good career for himself somewhere, but it won't be easy. It's not easy for players who come through La Masia and then don't quite make it for Barcelona. Uh, there was a story that he might be involved in the Adama deal and go to Wolves. I hate to think what would happen to him in the in, in the Premier League. Um, I think he'll he'll find a home somewhere in Spain, but it it won't be at Barcelona. I really think Ricky Puch is a fantastic footballer, and it's a sadness in in answering this question properly um, to admit that things have happened around him to the extent that he's not going to get the chance to to at Barcelona to prove me right, and that's I think because if you look at what we're saying, you know the exceptional level of talent that's going to block his way that still says something about the footballer now where I think there's been injustice um, would be that he's he's not liked partly because of um, he's got a slightly bumptious parent and he carries a a golden boy aura around him when perhaps because he was the fetid one for a long time just like with with Bojan for example a lot of resentment goes around you and I think there might have been times when he was younger when he he might have either acted like or seemed like a bit of a Billy Big Bollocks but over the last couple of seasons there have been moments when he's come on and and he's been like the last flag on the hill saying this is where Barca football stands his ability to move the ball sharply and not always correctly but I do remember what's the name of that young buck uh, Busquets it is um, at Rayo Vallecano gave the ball away lost the match and got Koeman sacked it, the art of giving the ball away is is, is one that um, isn't lauded at Football Club Barcelona but it's part of the package and I don't say that in any way in response to, to Pete's point it, there is this pall hanging over uh, Ricky Puch about like nah, not to be trusted and certainly it's against him that he is so tiny I mean, so tiny. If you're getting bumped around, and teams instantly look to bump him off the ball when he plays for football club, football club Barcelona, that's that's a handicap that even quick wits and quick feet find hard to, to balance out. But I, I think we've seen in him genuinely. I think we've seen in him an extraordinarily under an extraordinary understanding of the basic, uh, you know, Cruyff Guardiola, call it what you want ideas about where the ball should be moved to, how quickly it should be moved to, what spaces are for. And he hasn't had the discipline of playing 30 games in a season for the first team, which isn't about proving yourself. It's about changing and it's about learning and it's about speeding up and and calculating and avoiding certain mistakes. He hasn't had that. I have a genuine sense of regret, one, that he's just so small and two, that now the fact that you know, these, these cavalier youngsters called Pedri and, and Gavi and Nico and Lippin De Jong and whatever are, are going to keep him out. Well, there's a lot of... There's, they're keeping Coutinho out, do you know what I mean? Who, 
<laughs> may have failed at Camp Nou, but he's not a dud. So um, I, I find that a sad one. Okay, let's finish with a question from socio Michael Williams. Hello, Graham and Pete. Who would you like to see promoted from the Segunda? There's some big historic clubs in there. How many go up, he asks. So, for example, would it be possible for Depor and Racing to both make it up despite being in the same group? So I think it probably requires a little bit of format explanation here. Um, would Pete, would you want to take this on first? Yeah, they can. They can both go up, but um, they can't both automatically go up. I think it's it's automatic promotion is for the top team in each of the two groups, and then and then there are playoffs um, for second, third, fourth, and fifth. Um, so yeah, in theory, Racing and Depor could could both go up. They've had some incredible gates this season, Depor. Um, when you think the the third tier of Spanish football can be a real backwater, and they've had you know sixteen, seventeen thousand. Um, and that takes me on to who I'd want to see come up because you always want the clubs that are well supported to come up. Um, and um, I was having a look just before we came on um, at the at the um, the number of season ticket holders at the clubs in the second division. Um, and so, if promotion was based on the number of season ticket holders, uh, then Zaragoza and Valladolid would would be the top two, um, and the playoffs would be Sporting, Oviedo, Malaga, and Las Palmas. So they're the clubs with the, with the really big support. Um, and that's really what you want. And I have a soft spot for Zaragoza. Um, it's a great place to go and watch football. Uh, good recent history. And, and you know, I, I pers- on a personal level, would love to see them back in the top division. Yeah, we never rehearsed this at all, but um, I, f- I don't know how we've come to the conclusion, but I feel exactly the same about Zaragoza. And for those who, who are listening to the answer and don't know, Zaragoza have got no chance of going up. And, and look mired in this consistent ability to either um, get in a row with the owner or the fans being either passionately in love with or utterly disgusted with the, the squad. And um, I, from from my taste, what they need to do is um, find big new investment and hire Cus Poyet from take him away from the Greek international team, which I think is going to be uh, bumpy for Gustavo. So that that isn't going to happen, and you know I feel a, an enormous amount of affection for Ronaldo Nazario, and for as long as I, I know people people didn't have their pulses set racing by Valladolid under Sergio, and I think Pacheta has has done a good job in that they're certainly until the last two results where they lost pretty convincingly, and they were looking like automatic uh, promotion. Uh, candidates because three got until two, two, two got and, and, and Pete did say that the third one goes through a playoff and the playoff is, is utterly utterly bonkers um, and it's a throwback to when Spain used to play its football until mid to late June every year just absolutely incredible but um, you know for my taste because of Ronaldo I, I'd like Ronaldo still to be involved in Spanish football I'd like him not to give up and go and spend all his time with Crucero and therefore, for me, I'd love to see via the lead up. Sporting fit into the category of, sorry, Sid, um, of, uh, of how we feel about Zaragoza. You know, a fantastic place, a fantastic stadium, too long since they've been up. And I've always enjoyed watching Sporting in my time in this country. Um, so they'd be two. And then let a group of four or five punch it out. I mean, literally, sorry for those who watched the Oscars overnight and saw my comment on it, but it was from the heart. And yes, Zidane should have headbutted Matarazzi. Yes, for anybody who's been asking about that, um, just get just get 
those playoffs. I mean, they've been so extraordinary in recent years, the playoffs. So much fun. Such delirium, such impossible stories written. Okay, that's it for the first part of this month's Q&A. Thanks to all our socios who sent questions for this month's show. Graham Hunter and Pete Jensen, thank you very much, and thank you to you for listening. We'll be back with part two very soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>